Rodgers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Watch our final JCM Jones from the striker and the mothership of Patrick and I have been the game. And there's soccer is over there. Joe Patrick, first off, we need to say hello to our favorite listener, Gonzalo Pineda. Yes. Hi, Gonzo. <laughs> That's we know right. you're listening. That's right. We know you're listening. These are free. No, exactly, right? The, the, the advice we're dishing out here, totally free, <laughs> totally just no charge. <laughs> And you know what? I think we were right. I think we we're right. We're going to explain why in just a little bit and, and what exactly we're talking about. But first, we have to thank Kurt Castle for the intro of the song is Chances. You can find thank him you, wherever you find music. We have to tell you guys to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final join 250 other folks who Ooh, have how how many? I'm sorry, how many? Oh Joe my Patrick. goodness. Uh, a quarter of a, a thousand. I, yeah, I went to Georgia. Um, a quarter <laughs> of a thousand. <laughs> um, it, it's a big community, man. Y'all, y'all got to get in on it. We've got all sorts of stuff coming your way. We have plenty of interviews and go back and listen to uh, folks like Jeff Lernowitz, Michael Parkhurst, Tom Boker. Felipe Cardenas, and many, many more. Uh, the main show this week will be, following the Red Bulls game, will be on the Patreon uh, on either Thursday or Friday, and then we'll come back to the main feed uh, after whoever we play Sunday Dallas. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway. I don't even know. Uh, so, yeah. Go check out that. Patreon.com. Big week. Slash. Five Street Final. Uh, yeah, big week yeah, for big Atlanta week. United. I mean, there's major points Every on the line. They got to and they got to take them. They got they got to start taking these points. Yep. Normally, road road draw. You take that in MLS right Normally, now. Normally, yeah. You can't you can't really do that. You can't really do that. All considered, though, Joe Patrick. Columbus on Sunday, by the way. Thank you. All considered, it looks pretty good for It'll... like twenty five minutes, maybe even more than that. Yeah. No, it was the the first twenty five minutes. I were probably the best we've seen this team play, or at least the most dangerous and threatening that they've been able to sustain attacks probably all season. Maybe there was that one Chicago game that was where they got off to a really hot start. But mm-hmm. man, I thought they looked good, and it was just overall like regardless of the result, because we can debate whether one point is good enough or not good enough in this situation. It was just like fun to watch and worth everybody's time to tune in, you know, and I think that that's like the main thing that we've been begging for out of this team for so long is just give us give fans a reason to to want to turn on the, the game, you know, and it certainly was they were just attacking. They were they were kind of back to playing on that knife's edge where, yeah, you were exposed defensively at times and we saw them concede, but um they were also really dangerous going forward, creating a lot of shots. They outshot Cincinnati on the road, 19 shots total with 61% possession. I mean, it was a it was a fun night, um, despite the fact that you only got the one point. Is that the most fun quotation marks Atlanta United game of the year? It's hard to remember one being more engaging from start yeah. to finish. Yeah. Maybe the the Cincinnati game at home as well, even though that one ended nil-nil. I mean, there was a ton of chances in it, but I don't think it comes close. I'm just trying to think of anything that might compare, but I think that this one, this was it. 
And this was it. And it was against a good opponent. I mean, Cincinnati is a legit, you know, team with a with a good striker and Brandon Vazquez. They've got playmakers and Lucho Acosta like they can do they can do damage against you. And I thought that Atlanta United, you know, gave them everything they wanted going on the road. And you hope that maybe they can just continue and roll this over and keep improving and get better. And you're able to eventually win games on the road against other teams like Cincinnati who are good. But it's a good start. I mean, it's a good sign that we saw from this team. A lot of stuff went right in this one. We'll break it all down right now in Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time, 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 it's a sports prime game time, cause it's sports prime game time. Sports prime, sports prime game time. It's a sports prime game time, it's a sports prime game time. Joe DiMaggio. Sports prime game time, Joe Patrick. And like you said, uh, they gave Cincinnati everything they could ask for on the road. And honestly, if it weren't for two critical moments, you know, it probably is a win. It probably is a win for Atlanta United. Yeah. And a few just incredible saves from Roman Celentano. You know? Yeah. It, there were a lot of really close moments that didn't quite break Atlanta United's way for whatever reason, right? Some of it is bad habits that we've seen throughout the entire year. Some of it was just bad luck. Some of it was just bad luck, which we can chalk that up to something we've seen the entire year as well. Uh, so overall, though, you can't be mad, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it was it was a fun game to watch. The it, I guess maybe the one frustrating part about this game is they gave up that second goal on a corner kick yet again, just like not being able to deal with it, even though they did kind of did deal with it in terms of like Juanjo Parata got a header onto the initial clearance and kind of headed it away. But then he was really kind of hard done by because the ball comes right back at him, uh, kind of a deflected <laughs> header and it bounces off of him and he just didn't really have time to kind of manipulate his body to be able to play that ball and it bounces in the goal off of him. Yeah, he looked clumsy. He yeah. looked really, really clumsy. That's about as uh, unattractive as you'll see a really, really good-looking <laughs> dude look, I think. <laughs> yeah. And that's him, you know? Yeah. Uh, just not, not his finest moment. His original uh, play in the first goal as well was his weakest moment by far since he arrived in Atlanta. Joe Patrick, I wrote this big... Not big, but a, a decent-sized article for the striker in the days leading up to the Cincinnati game where I praised Parata for not only his ability in the air so far and his ability defensively, but most importantly, his leadership ability yeah. and the way he's been able to kind of conduct the back line and kind of solidify it. In the games leading up to Parata's arrival, some like 18 games, I think, for Atlanta United, uh, they were 19th, I think, in expected goals allowed. In the few games he had started uh, before Saturday, Atlanta United was sixth in expected goals allowed over mm. that stretch, right? It's a noticeable improvement mm -hmm. with him back there for multiple reasons, right? It, the team as a whole playing better, right? Not just for Parada, but you could kind of tie the two together in, in some regard, right? Totally, yeah. This was his worst performance with Atlanta United by far, yeah. and it's not even close. And, you know, frankly, without a couple of, of mistakes from him, again, probably a win so a bummer to see that but we'll see how he responds he's 
a pretty young dude. I know he kind of considers himself a leader on this team. He's 24. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's 24. He he's played less than like I think 35 games in his professional career. Mhm. He's a year and a half Young younger dude. than Alan Franco. And it's weird because it seems mm-hmm. like he is the one who is kind of the one who's in charge, the communicator and and kind of mm-hmm. I think that he allows Alan Franco to actually play better. I think we've seen the best performances out of Alan Franco when he's been playing alongside Juanjo Parata, um, whether it's in the mm-hmm. three or I think especially in just when it's the two of them back there. Um, but yeah, it is weird that he is so young. He is pretty rough on the ball and i'm curious to see whether it's a struggle yeah Yeah. and i'm curious to see now that there is some tape on him whether other teams try to take advantage of that by isolating him on the ball we saw teams do that to miles robinson in 2019 remember when frank DeBoer kind of just let him loose turns out i think he, he was good enough on the ball where it didn't really hurt the team but i wonder if we'll start to see more teams trying to kind of really attack Parata and allow him to make make mistakes, quite frankly. But mm-hmm. the team is still, I think, better with him in the lineup. Yeah, no, his, his turnover leads to the first goal, right? And you talk about isolating folks. Cincinnati, Keenan, I think a bit on him and definitely on Rocco Rios Novo. Every time he got the ball, that was a pretty clear pressing trigger. For FC Cincinnati, they were mm-hmm. able to pin Atlanta back a few times and cause a lot of trouble. Baracarios Novo on the ball, I think, last night. Uh, he survived all of those scenarios, but he didn't succeed in all of those scenarios, if that makes sense. A lot of just pinging the ball out of play, just escaping, re- really, uh, from some tough spots. And so it's a good thought, Joe. I, I do kind of worry about it. I pulled some clips of all of Parata's touches so far this year, and there are moments where his touch is so heavy, even when he's not pressured, that he just runs into the defense anyway and gets the ball away. It's not the best sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, Atlanta has Atlanta has an option, from my understanding, to extend the loan through next season and then also a permanent option to buy is what I understand. Um, so honestly, depending on what kind of wages he's, he's pulling in and what kind of cap hit it actually does, I can't imagine it's much. I really, really can't imagine it's much. He still feels yeah, like a probably, guy you would yeah. want on this team, even if he's your third center back, right? Even Because he's not going to replace Miles, right? Atlanta needs to get a better right. second center back than Alan Franco, quite honestly, uh, in this offseason. But if he's your third guy and he's got that kind of leadership ability and that kind of aerial ability, it's not a bad third guy to have, I don't think. Yeah, and the team is going to need a starting center back to start next season. Like, Miles Robinson is not going to be ready to play when the season, you know, in game one next year, just because of the timing of the injury. And honestly, you don't know how good Miles is going to be when he does return to action or not even how good he is, but just like how consistently he's going to be able to play. Just you, you just never know coming back from an injury like that. So definitely want to have not just backup plans, but guys who are ready to to start. And I think that Parata has shown that he is capable of playing. And again, he is young, so, you know, he makes you better um, or he, he can he can improve. I was interested to hear him speak when you talked with him in his media availability last week. I think that the most important thing that was said about him in describing his effect on the team is how Gonzalo Pineda talked about his professionalism and 
just the way that that translates to other players. It kind of permeates through to other players. He talks about um, him bringing other players into the gym with him to, to do some extra sessions and things like that and eating correctly, you know, just like all those little things that it takes to be at the top of your game on this level, I think is super important. And it's good to see players like him, a new player to the club, not afraid to kind of just enmesh himself within the group right away. I think that speaks a lot to to his character. And I think that people will learn a lot more about that reading the article that you wrote about it. Yep. Again, feature up on him on the striker.com. Go check that out and get check out everything else at the striker, please, please. So I can eat food. Joe Patrick, I don't know how we kind of started off with Juan Prada. That was not the most critical part of this game. I <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The most, the most critical part of this entire discussion, I think, Joe Patrick, is for us to take a little bit of a victory lap. I think for the last few weeks, we've been pushing for a couple of things to happen. One was for Caleb Wiley on the wing and Andrew Gutman to be at left back. We kind of sort of got that. And we'll talk more, I think, later mm-hmm. about what role exactly Andrew was playing last night because it's pretty fluid if we really want to dig down into it. We were also pushing for the other thing, Joe Patrick, and that was the single pivot with Santiago Sosa. We got that last night as well. And and what happens, Atlanta United puts together probably their best 25-minute stretch of the season. Definitely their best opening stretch, I think, of the Mm -hmm. season uh, at the beginning of the game. Other than maybe that, again, that Chicago game where they were able to score so quickly. But again, Chicago was just so bad on the night. Cincinnati was good on the night and still getting outplayed by Atlanta United because of the movement off the ball, of the cohesiveness, and most importantly, I think the numbers getting forward. Joe Patrick, something I've complained about so much over the last couple of years is just how Atlanta struggles to get numbers forward even when they're in possession, especially from the midfield area, from that second level, and getting people into the box in those instances. Last night, it looked like the way other good teams in MLS look when it came to getting numbers forward. I saw the patterns. I saw the amount of bodies just in the final third and went, oh, this looks like an LAFC. This looks like an NYCFC. This looks like a, even to some extent, like a Philadelphia. This looked like a good MLS team. And that's the first time I've been able to say that in a while. Yeah, and I think it's down to getting your best players on the field, frankly, like your best, most dynamic players. Um, I think it's interesting that you were able to field Tiago Amada, Marcelino Moreno on the field at the same time without them seeming like they were kind of getting in each other's way when you set it up mm-hmm. in, in the fashion that Gonzalo Pineda did last night. And to your point, I think that the team was effective attacking in so many different ways, whether it was a slower buildup um, and progressing those guys in, or it was Tiago Amada playing a ball over the top to Ronaldo Cisneros. That was also an option for the team. I just felt like they had lots of different avenues of attack and it was kind of spearheaded by Tiago Amada playing in the role that he was, which, you know, people will, will refer to it as a deeper role. I don't know if it was necessarily like positionally deeper, but it was like a role that hadn't, he had more res- responsibility in terms of what was needed from him while the team was building up. And I thought that he just executed it basically to perfection. He only had three incomplete passes on the entire night, Mm. um, just hardly ever gave the ball away and was making threatening passes, threatening runs, trying to get into space between the lines to receive the ball. I just thought that he was excellent on the night scores the great goal. But I think that honestly, everything else that he did was more important for the team overall. 
Gonzo pushed back a bit on him being deeper yeah. last night, and I think I would agree, but I think you're right. I think he did have roles in the buildup that were maybe a little different than we're used to seeing, but he's so talented at playing the line-breaking passes and so talented at just getting the ball out from under his feet quickly and with pace, right? He, mm-hmm. he pings the ball on the ground better than anyone else in this team by a large margin, and that kept things flowing. That kept things uh, consistently moving for Atlanta United and the goal he scores. I love that because when you're getting numbers forward and you're getting the ball into the wide areas and dragging the back line back towards their own goal, you're able to kind of play those square balls and you're able to play those cutbacks into zone 14, that area at the top of the box and set up chances exactly like that because the back line and midfield are having to vacate those spaces. Right. And that's something right. they haven't been forced to do in so many cases uh, this year because Atlanta just hasn't had the numbers forward to make them worried about it. And so to see a midfielder step up and get in his own 14 and into that particular area where there was largely space most of the night, even with Cincinnati uh, kind of playing to pretty holding midfielders with and, and Boda and uh, whoever the other guy is, who I, um, Junior Moreno, um, Atlanta still found those spaces and that was huge. That was huge. That's, that's all I've ever wanted. So <laughs> and and it, it, Almada was finding those. He was receiving the ball in those spaces. Also, he was finding other players, Marcelino Moreno in those spaces and by mm-hmm. the zone 14, if anybody's un- like, and doesn't know what we're talking about, it's kind of a funny lingo for just kind of the, the area on the top of the box around the, around the D. Um, yeah. I mean, they were, that's how you know that they were, they were threatening and just a, different kind of dynamic attack um than from what we've seen from this team pretty often throughout the season so yeah it was just really really good i want to see more (laughs) i think they're going to have to make changes going into this next game on wednesday just by the nature of you know getting fresh bodies in and stuff but uh, i really think they have something with this midfield yeah and don't be don't be panicked if everything changes on wednesday because you have to just and I everybody should take some time during a game to just watch Tiago Almada and just like watch just watch him um, because some of the just the little touches are are so important and so good <laughs> like they're it, it just helps the team flow so much and that's really what helped I think this team last night just some of these little things that he did even when he drops into a super super deep area when the team is honestly just like kind of playing to um, trying to build the ball out from the very back. He can come into those spaces, help you play around in a zone, like play like a three V two out of a space. And then all of a sudden you're on a break when you, when you, when you burst out of that, um, out of that situation. So there are so many good things that he did in this game. I, I honestly thought I was so impressed with him in the game. I thought it was the best performance by an Atlanta United player this season, what he did in this game. And I think, again, part of it comes down to just the amount of responsibility that he had in the game. Uh, and then mm-hmm. obviously with the way he executed it as well, the, I, I would say one of the, one of the issues um, that or not issue, but one thing that this team could have done better. And I think about it because this, the issue ended up with a shot that he had that went off the post or went off the bar uh, before he scored his goal was the, the, Team had a great attacking movement, built up play into the box, and I thought that they could have gotten a better shot off. Like, I think Cisneros could have gotten a shot off from much closer inside the box. Instead, guys were trying to lay it off to each other for, like, this perfect opportunity, and it ended up with Thiago Amada kind of outside the box and a, a lower percentage chance. So that's the maybe the only kind of... Um, 
thing I wanted to see the team do a little bit better would be to just go ahead and take some of those opportunities when you find them in the box, even if you're not your feet aren't perfectly situated, um, because I think they are just better scoring opportunities. First and foremost, I want to say Hoosiers is a garbage movie. Second, it kind of seems like that's what they're doing right now is trying to get like every single person to touch the ball before they shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> be a little more selfish. Right. Right. And we'll talk about Joseph in a second. Mm, yeah. His need in particular to be more selfish. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there were moments of, of just trying to to walk it in every now and then last night. But then again, since he kind of got forced into playing a pretty deep back yeah. line, I don't know if it was a bank of four or five. You need to go back and watch everything. But so many shots it seemed that Atlanta took were kind of like going 10 feet and then bouncing into like two different bodies because since he was so pinned back. But if you're if you're a possession based team that wants to essentially be Peter Vermes's best sporting KC teams who just fired off like 30 shots a game at times <laughs> when they were at their peak, you've got to kind of deal with that, right? Like that's exactly what you want. You want uh, the the back line to be pinned back like that. You want to control possession in that way. And in part that helps you defensively. Right. And you know what? It, Cincinnati was going to get their chances either way. If you have, if you have Breder, if you have Acosta, if you have Vasquez all getting forward the way they do, they're going to get their chances no matter what. So if Atlanta United had set back last night and I don't know, played a Marseilles or something like that and not has been, been as aggressive, they probably get two goals anyway. To be totally honest. But the problem is Atlanta United couldn't punch back as effectively in those scenarios. They were able to punch back with this. And for me, that's why you kind of continue with this going forward. Because, like, man, you can play Hosetu. You can play Sadich. Are they really that much of a defensive upgrade over Tiago Amada? Just because Tiago Amada is, is good at attacking, it doesn't make him worse defensively. It's not a zero-sum game. Right. Right. With, with player abilities. And it frustrates me that like Hosetsu kind of gets the nod for that over Almada, even though numbers and eye tests don't really back that up, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. when you take Marcy or you take Almada out of the game for Sadich or Hosetsu, you're not, you're not helping yourself in the way you think you're helping yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why I started on this in the first place. Right. And and I'm ranting. No, no, it's you're, down, you're you're right. It sh it shows how valuable the role is, especially when done properly. Like when when that role is executed correctly, it can change the whole tenor of the team's attacking output. Like you know, like when Tiago Amada showed it last night, like what he provides over a player like Rosetto in that position. Um, I think the reason why Gonzalo Pineda has probably been hesitant to do that at times is because he values the chance creation, you know, the, the things that Tiago Amada can do in a more dangerous area. But honestly, with what I saw last night, again, I, I think ideally he, when he's playing in that role, he, you know, it's just tough to play 90 minutes at full effectiveness. You hope, mm. hope to have a lead and be able to take a player like him off at 60 or 70 minutes or so. But you saw him doing some of the build up things in midfield and then just sprinting forward and getting involved in the attack as well. It's like he was doing multiple jobs. And it's like, Which is the whole thing. right, exactly, it's exactly. The whole it's like sport. that's. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. And then you look at a player like Mateus Rosetto who has one assist and no goals in his entire Atlanta United career. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing, Jim Patrick? What are we doing? What are we doing with Tiago, by the way? Because, I mean, you're talking about the performance he's putting in. I'm a hater. I, I still have to concede that he's been phenomenal this year. 
right? Yeah. Um, and he's been uh, effectively the best player on the team and clearly has a talent level above everyone else on the field pretty much at all times. Is he going to be around next year, man? <laughs> I asked him. I don't know. About good question. At training midweek. And, um, you know, he, he gave a pretty standard answer of, uh, I'm just worried, worried about next game, whatever, right? Um, so we don't have any real understanding of his plans. But my feeling is, based on his statements in the past and based on the answer he's kind of given, that if someone comes calling, which they very well might, you know, it, it's going to be tough to keep him here. To be oh, yeah. Honest. And and you know what? If you get, if you get more, if you get the ROI, that you want from that, I feel like you probably got to do it. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping everyone's enjoying this while it lasts. <laughs> right. Yeah, seriously. And it's a shame that the team just hasn't been able to um, use some of these performances to get better results throughout the course of the season to make it a more successful season. Obviously, injuries play into that and everything that we've talked about. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he very this very well could be his only year. I know. I heard um, on on one of the Dirty South Soccer Spaces, somebody said that there was a report that he has a $25 million purchase option. I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's I want to reiterate that is a rumor. I do not know if that is true or not. <laughs> but if it is true, I would be honestly pretty shocked if a team does not trigger that. Because that kind of money is... You don't want to say it's like couch cushion money for a Premier League team, but it's clearly in the affordability range, affordability range for pretty much any Premier League team. And if that's the case, if it were me running a Premier League team, I would be snapping that up in a second. I mean, he's just such a talented player. Um, And clearly, you know, this is just like the problem with having a really great DPs, a young DP especially, is that you want to move them on so that you can get the next one to show that you are the club that players can come to to get the moves that they want. You would much rather have this though than than Zeke than PT. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. This is this is the this is the best case scenario. This is when it hits. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So I mean, don't be too stressed about it. But this is this is kind of what we wanted. Um, But it does mean you have a little bit turnover. What? I just just thought of like the the dark scenario where like you sell you 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 sell Tiago and then (laughs) I know you're going. Barco comes back because you don't have any buyers and it's just. Dark. <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. What's the word? One time buyout. One time buyout. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, goodness. Uh, let's see, Joe Patrick. A couple other things to talk about as well. We kind of briefly touched on about it. Uh, what was Andrew Gutman doing? What was Andrew Gutman doing? That's a good question. Was he a center back, Joe Patrick? Was he a fullback? Or maybe, or maybe are things a little more abstract than that? Mm, positional Patrick. play. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's potato, potato, tomato, tomato. The It's the eye of the beholder. Was Caleb Wiley playing as a left winger or a left wing back? Mm. Was Andrew Gutman playing as a left back or a left center back? Doesn't really matter, <laughs> but nope. uh, he was good. <laughs> I like I was I was telling Brooks when I was asking the question that um, after the game last night, Brooks Lennon, that, uh, you know, Gutman just like he doesn't give himself any credit. He's like very self-deprecating, which I definitely appreciate as a person. Um, that's just kind of like also my my sense of humor and my style as well to like downplay everything that he does. But um, he says, you know, he's like, yeah, don't expect anything from like this from me again. After he scores that screamer against <laughs> Seattle uh, and then he scores again, uh, the equalizer in this game late on, but he is a good player. Like he's very capable of doing so many different things. You feel like if you had a team of 11 Andrew Gutmans, you would have a damn good team. 
Yes. No, I, th- I remember we had a question about that a while back. Like if you could take one player and like clone them like yeah. 10 times yeah. and make your soccer team out of that. I picked Gutman. I did. I, th- I think that would be a hellacious thing to deal with if you just made him like the ultra Red Bulls and went for it. Right. He's a he's a chaotic good, I think, is his alignment mm, chart. Yeah, yeah up, that makes right? sense. Yeah. Um, because he's just up and down. He's everywhere. He's hyper aggressive. He had to be a little restrained last night, I think. I, I think part of that was just making sure he was back to deal with um, Acosta and Brenner and Vasquez and everything like that. Generally, I think when we've seen him play on the left with Wiley, he's been able to underlap and get forward a lot more. Didn't really see a ton of that last night. Didn't really need to, though, because Atlanta United was getting numbers forward elsewhere, which is nice because you have that kind of defensive security blanket with him back there. As far as like his positioning, I'm looking at the average positions, and it was pretty fluidly. Uh, defensively, 5-3-2 uh, in attack, 4-3-3, right? So take the 4-3-3, like put it on the steering wheel, and just kind of tilt it <laughs> yeah, yeah. to the left <laughs> just a little bit. And that's what it kind of ended up looking like because in defense, when you're in your organized defensive state, uh, Cisneros, Eriuzu up top, uh, Almada Morena Sosa as the three, and then a bank of five uh, going across with Gutman tucked in as that center back, right? In possession, straight up 4-3-3 because, again, you, you were comfortable enough pinning Cincinnati back to have Wiley get forward and be essentially your, your more classic winger in that scenario. So mm-hmm. that's the answer. He was playing both positions. Everybody. Yeah. If you really wanted to know. And good news for him. No injury at the end. It looked to me like yes. he was like gesturing at his left thigh, which is the same thigh that he had the um, quadriceps tendon injury that kept him out uh, of the of the team for a couple months. But turns out that that doesn't seem to be the case. Just tightened up on him. and He was super fatigued. So comes off and. I still probably I think just seeing that kind of doubt that he will start on Wednesday. Maybe you get Brooks Lennon in on Wednesday from the start and play it kind of more differently, like play it kind of more aggressively on the right side this time than on the left side. Um, But we'll see what Gonzalo Pineda does. But uh, yeah, all good news on Andrew Gutman, man. He's I hope that he can be a guy that stays around for a long time. Fans deserve a player deserve to have a player who represents them for a long time. We've seen this front office move players in and out. Uh, of course, you know, if he has offers to for a great move, obviously he's got to take those. But uh, I just hope he can be a guy that fans connect with because they haven't really had that for a long time. Perfect MLS guy. I think he's probably yeah. on like 300K yep. right now. I think that'll eventually go up if he does stay around and, and continues performing the way he has. But He's been phenomenal all the way through. What's up? The perfect MLS guy scores the 20,000th MLS goal <laughs> in history. Just how we drew it up. He was so <laughs> excited about that, y'all. Let me tell you. He said, yeah, Ronnie or Scotty, our kit man, came in and made me sign something. I don't really understand it, but MLS <laughs> likes it. So, direct quote. Um, love Andrew Gutman, man. Andrew Gutman. Uh, man of the He's people. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Gutman. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, and obviously, just a critical part of, of what Atlanta needs to do and what they can do going forward and you know again just his ability to kind of cause chaos on both ends is so useful in so Mm -hmm. many regards um i'm gonna have a full explainer out on andrew gutman full in-depth deep dive on the striker uh earlier this week before we play red bulls i I don't think it's like it's not a coincidence that he is the one scoring these goals because when you're playing in the position that he is and he's getting himself as far forward as he has been, especially at the ends of these last games. Mm-hmm. Teams don't 
know how to count for that. Like they're not prepared for it. And he said that exactly about the Seattle goal. They're just not ready for a center back to step up into that area. They simply don't have the bodies to cover it. And I think that you saw something similar in this one. I I think too, I want to go back and look at this, but my hunch is that he was deeper and progressed forward more as the game went along, because as you get tired and as you kind of switch things out, you do probably lose track of that center back fullback stepping up into that central area a little more often. Right. Um, so if he can kind of pace himself on that, Mm -hmm. because generally he is bombing forward so much, he does kind of get worn out. If he can kind of pace himself on that and continue to be effective at the end of games like that, that's a big weapon. It's a big weapon overall. Right. Mm -hmm. People forget, man. He, he was at Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I know he, like, I know he's like a big 10 grad, you know, and that immediately (laughs) makes him like dismissed by like half of, the United fan base, right? But he can ball, man. He's good. Where did he go He's to school? Good, Indiana. Oh, you did. Oh, he went to Indiana. Okay, because yeah, we were. So that's why he traded jerseys with um Celentano last night. Gotcha, gotcha. Losers. The uh yeah. the two time All Big Ten goalkeeper. <laughs> that dude's been incredible. You might have noticed Alec Khan isn't playing. Yeah, because Celentano has been awesome out playing him. <laughs> so, uh, good work. Good awesome. Work. Hey, um, while we're any, well. Any, well, I was going to say, yeah. you go ahead. Well, any quick notes on, do you want to touch on Brandon Vasquez real quick? Like, I think some people are like, why do we let this guy go? Uh-huh. And I just want to mention real quick that, like, that was the right move for everyone at the time. Yeah. He would not be who he is if he had stayed Atlanta United. It was expansion draft. It was, that was the right move. It was expansion draft. I think a lot of people, when they hear expansion draft, they think of, like, when Anton Walks got taken, when there was, like, a lot more players <laughs> you could bad. have not decided to keep that was a lot more stacked team <laughs> at that time that yeah. 20 oh, that was after the 2018 season uh that you really needed to keep together they couldn't have they couldn't have done it and we like carlos bocanegra has spoken about that they were pretty stretched thin for allocation money so probably would have been tough or the money just simply was not there for the team to like try to trade back for him, which sometimes teams will do uh, i know toronto did that with Atlanta united Atlanta united took um is it Clint Irwin, uh, goalkeeper? Um, and they just traded and Toronto just traded right back for him for allocation money. So that probably was just was not available to Atlanta United at the time. It's a shame. It's a shame because he was clearly like he had a pedigree. He was playing with the mm-hmm. USU 19 team, I think, when Atlanta United had signed him. Um, and he was a big body. Like you could see the potential that was there, but at the time it just wasn't really in the cards for Atlanta. It's just kind of like Sometimes players have to match up with the team in terms of the cycle they're on, like where the where the player is in his career versus where the where the team is in their trajectory towards winning a championship. And there just wasn't very much alignment between those two at that point in time. Agreed. Joe Patrick, something we haven't even mentioned yet, which is Ronald Hernandez started this game. Oh, yeah. Just (laughs) sneakily back into the starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. We've been mainly focused on Brooks Lennon getting back into the lineup which did happen eventually he subbed on and this one but ronald hernandez gets the start any particular thoughts about that other than oh yeah he's healthy isn't he <laughs> it's not, yeah i mean it's a it's a good body to have back i thought that he was like some of his service was disappointing at times uh could have been better you know just kind of got into some the the paths the primaries his own several several times and just mm-hmm. crosses were getting um hit right into the front, the first defender and things like that. So a little bit disappointing, but that's not really his game. He's more of a kind of sit back, kind of a pseudo 
center back slash fullback type. So I think that he does provide balance for the team. He's very useful in that respect. And I think like in this game in particular, I thought that he was a nice option to have when you had a more aggressive Wiley and Gutman on that other side. So he was kind of a nice counterbalance along with Santiago Sosa that was able to help those center backs protect. But again, I think that if you're not playing with Gutman in this game, if you're going to, to change things up, I think it makes sense to try to get Brooks Lennon into the starting lineup to give you some of that quality going forward down the right wing. Um, and then maybe you play Luis Araujo back on the left side. If you are um, maybe wanting to give Caleb Wiley a rest um, and Andrew Gutman as well. You can get that width from Luis Araujo on the left. Cause I think that, you know, one of the things I noticed in this game was, you know, it just seems like when Araujo, when he plays on the right, it's not that he's like terrible or anything, but there are just definitely times where he's like dead set on dribbling and trying to get into that area where he can cut in on his left foot and shoot. And I think teams just clearly know what he's trying to do. And he's therefore he's kind of easy to defend. Yeah. He drifts in that pity zone a little too often. For my liking, but still yeah. created a decent amount of chances yeah, last yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, had a, a pretty clear goal saved by Celentano, who again was really, really good last mm-hmm. night. And I think, I think the criticism of him drifting away from games is fair. Mm-hmm. I think there are moments where he he doesn't come to the game and is a little too static in his movements. I think that's all fair. But also, I think that when he's on the right, part of Atlanta United's identity this year has been to overload the left side with numbers, get people forward there, and then isolate him on the right side. At times, that's been Brooks Lennon mm-hmm. as well, uh, so he can play in crosses. But uh, they're, they're trying to get Louise isolated on the right side so he can take on players one-on-one, essentially get into the primary assist zones or, or make those cuts in towards the box and do Iron Robin stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always effective, but... To some extent, it is part of the game plan. To another extent, he does just, he's a little too passive at times. Mm-hmm. You'd like to see him be more aggressive with that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a little more understandable, I think, through the tactical lens, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Sam, so I got a question for you. Uh, on the other side of the pitch, Rocco Rios Novo in goal. Has a couple of mm-hmm. really, really nice saves. I mean, he I, I think he's pretty much established himself at this point on the team as, well, first of all, the starting goalkeeper over Raul Godinho, who we still have yet to see. Um, and it seems like that contract is at this point, I can't imagine they would pick it up because uh, Carlos Bocanegra said when we talked to him that it is the contract is basically he's on a free. He, they, they signed him on a free for six months. Uh, so. That can just go away after this season. It seems like they have not been that impressed with him considering he hasn't played yet. But anyway, back to Rios Novo. Made a couple saves. He's established himself as a guy who is capable of making those kind of reflex diving saves. Clearly struggles with just commanding the area. So he's got his strengths and his weaknesses. What do you do with him? I mean, he's on loan, so it's not like you have the a clear option here in terms of like triggering something in his contract. But, you know, the team could tried to work out a deal with Linus to bring him on on a permanent transfer. They would have to work that up from scratch, we think. But um, I think it would be worth looking into because he's so young. He's already got this experience. He's not an international player and he's very established within the Atlanta United system. He's basically been an Atlanta United player for the last what? Two well, two years. He came in the summer of 2020. So um, you're grimacing. So give me your thoughts. (laughs) The numbers aren't good. The numbers are bad, yeah, and you can take as much stock into that 
as you want, but I mean, his goals uh, against the expected goals he's faced, the goals he's allowed, pretty, I mean, lower fourth of MLS right now. And he's played a thousand minutes, you know, uh, among keepers who have played a thousand minutes. He's definitely, definitely on the lower end of, of shot stopping ability to straight up if we're looking at goals against XG. Uh, again, he doesn't command the box all that well. I think that goalkeepers who are good with their feet are overrated quite honestly like it's not as central a skill as you necessarily need i agree in my opinion i agree uh, with that especially compared to shot stopping and that's not to say that it's like totally unimportant but it's just less important than actually stopping (laughs) the ball from going into the net exactly exactly like even if you're brad goes on and you're just booming the ball like forward every time whatever i don't really care as long as he's stopping the ball that that being said, he's young. He is showing improvement. He's progressing. But unless you can do this for cheap, you don't do it, in my opinion. That's my thought yeah. right now. And he may he may continue to improve over these final 10 games, and that thought could change. But my thought right now is uh, unless this is a not even a flyer, but but something you can do on the lower end. I think you look elsewhere. I'm going to I'm going to keep pressing you on this. What is the lower end? Like what is the, what is the maximum limit you would you would take in a uh, a, tr- a transfer for him? Wasn't there something absurd about his transfer fee being like two million? Yeah. In the initial <laughs> loan that they set up, it was like I think it was more than that. I think it was like three million. It was like three and a half million dollar option. Okay, so transfer it's option. that it's not. That's yeah, not the I, I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely would not do that. I was I'll throw I'll throw uh, I'll throw something out there. I'll throw something out there. Okay. I'll say I would do a deal for him. Let's assume that he would sign a five year contract. Because this matters because the transfer fee gets spread out over the years on the contract in terms of mm-hmm. calculating the salary budget charge that he would hold. So I don't think the salary would be he probably wouldn't have a, a super high salary. I would do oh, a transfer. If it's a five year contract, I would do a million dollars. That would be kind of the max that I go on him. a million dollar transfer. That would be two hundred fi- or no two hundred thousand dollars in transfer in, in the transfer fee on top of whatever he makes in his salary, that would be his salary budget charge per year. Sounds like that's too much, too rich for your blood. <laughs> that's 500 K a lot for, uh, I'm just trying 500 K. We might be talking 500. Okay, okay. I might be there on 500. K. I feel like uh, I'm in the shark tank. You right need, now. you uh, need, a, you need a succession plan to Brad Guzan. Like he's going to come back. They're obviously doing this big program with him on re- rehabilitating from his uh, Achilles surgery. And he very well might play and play well next year. But I'm talking about beyond that, like beyond his contract, you need a solution at, at goalkeeper. And it's, I mean, and you gotta have your solution probably needs to be in the non-internet or a uh, a non-international you know because you don't want to be wasting an international spot at that, at that you position can find you can find domestic keepers that's who true i think maybe in, have more upside in the Look big across in the, the big field 10 last night in the big 10 <laughs> you can find roman solentano who's been pretty pretty okay pretty okay all considered yeah for uh Cincinnati. he hadn't been outstanding i'm not gonna pretend he's been that but he, he's been enough for them this year i think you can find higher quality than Rocco Snobo, even even through mechanisms like the, the super draft, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'll, I'll throw out another counter argument against I'll, another counter argument against Rocco Rios Novo is that the team already has young goalkeepers in its pipeline that you might not want to necessarily block with, you know, being committed through a through a st- sizable transfer 
like you would with Rocco Rios Nova. Vicente Reyes is already he's made, I think, a senior international debut for Peru, I want to say. Uh, if not, he's definitely involved in that international team. And uh, and Justin Garces is a former U.S. Uh, youth national team keeper. He was in that um U-17 United States national team with Andrew Carlton and Chris Goslin when they were in the World Cup uh, in 2017. So he's got some pedigree as well. He went through the UCLA program. So you've got some young guys kind of ready in wait as already. So there's another kind of asterisk asterisk against uh, Rocco Rionova. I thought it was just that would be an interesting discussion for us to have because he is such a central figure for this team right now. And uh, I think people are interested in, in what his future might be. Yeah. Uh, again, you can find, I think you can find better goalkeepers for, for cheaper than the potential transfer fee. I mean, even if you look, you can look at New England right now mm-hmm. and, and they have uh, Georgie Petrovich, who's been the best keeper in the league, like at a Bra- or at a Matt Turner level for them. They just found him in the Serbian Premier League, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> These guys are out there if you look and you don't have to stay in house for these kind of things just because it's in house. Mm-hmm. That's my thought right now. Yep. Again, he's progressing. He's doing fine. It's not his fault. <laughs> like, it, it's all good. It's all good. Joe Patrick, also all good. Our sponsors, Lucid FC. Let's talk about them. Oh, oh. For, as we head to a quick break. I thought you were going to do it for us, Sam, but I'll go ahead and do it. If, if anybody doesn't know right by now, Lucid FC is the sponsor here of Five Stripe Final, the presenting sponsor. Thank them so much for their support. Lucid FC's shop in Buckhead is open by appointment and walk-ins 1 to 8 p.m. daily. It's located at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. And if you go online to lucidfc.us, you can use DSS as your season-long promo for free shipping within the United States. Athletic-inspired heritage sets are now available online. French Terry Cotton Athletic sets, perfect for performance and recovery, as seen on Miles Robinson in their newest release. There are new releases this summer from Lucid FC every Thursday on their web shop. Again, that's lucidfc.us. And you can use DSS, like Dirty South Soccer, for your free shipping code within the United States. Good work, Lucid. Good work, Joe. Good work, y'all, for getting in these questions. We'll start, as always, with Kurt Castle, who asks, when did Joseph Martinez turn into Ben Simmons? You may know Benjamin Simmons from uh, Philadelphia 76ers fame. You may remember that he had an opportunity to dunk a basketball. He was He's real tall. Mm-hmm. He was right next to the basketball goal. Could have just jumped up and dropped the ball into the basketball goal and probably maybe won a game against the Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He did not do that because he was scared. He was a frightened, <laughs> frightened boy at that point. Did not do those things. Uh, yeah. We see the comparison here, right? We mm. see where we're going with this and Joseph Martinez and his million layoffs last night. It's making me angry just thinking about it again. Just shoot the ball, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, <laughs> shoot. Joseph Martinez turning us all into little your, parents. Your position is striker. You strike the ball mm. <laughs> at the goal. It's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I was trying, I asked Gonzalo Pineda about it last night after the game. Mm-hmm. He kind of gave the cliche answer of, you know, well, you just hope that he, you know, when he scores one, they'll start flowing for him, which is like the thing that you hear all the time with struggling strikers. I don't know, man. I don't know. He had an assist too to, to Andrew Gutman on that goal, so you give him credit for that one. But uh, at some point, you want him taking the shots himself, and he had a couple of glorious moments to do so in the game last night. Especially late, there was one like the 88th or 89th minute, and he like late. He's like in a great position to just have one, and he just lays it off, 
to somebody on the outside and there was nobody on the outside and then the ball just got turned over and it's just oh it's just so frustrating i'm not emotionally attached i just never would have begged (laughs) joseph for the kind of guy to just be mentally yeah right fragile in this instance which i think is what we're seeing like if it's me like i'm i'm like an emotional person who would be very upset all the time about all the things if I was a professional athlete. <laughs> Joseph does not seem to be that way in the sense that like, oh, it would keep him from being aggressive. Like his natural default flight or fight response has been to just get angrier and to get more shootier and to put the ball towards the goal mm-hmm. and to put himself in the positions where he can get the ball towards the goal effectively. Somewhere along the way, it has turned into, okay, Things aren't going well, so I'm just going to let everyone else shoot. And it's not what you <laughs> right. want. <laughs> right. It's not what you want. I, w- I was frustrated. I was talking earlier in the show about one of the frustrations in the game was players kind of passing up opportunities because their feet may have been slightly misaligned or something. They felt like they weren't going to get a proper strike on the ball. I think that nobody represents that more than Joseph Martinez, which is the last player that you want. you know having that mentality of like i can't shoot unless everything is perfect for me he's always been that way to an extent like he's always done like a lot of like chops inside the box to try to get himself set up on his right foot and all that but um we're not even close to even getting at that stage i mean he's just like basically trying to like pass it off um almost on like the first touch anytime he receive anytime he receives the ball it's like he doesn't want it it's like the complete it opposite sucks. of like, like that's like one of the things with Tiago Mata when you watch him, he's always like wanting to get around the ball, always trying to make himself available for space and wants to receive the ball all the time. And I feel like Joseph Martinez now, it's like he doesn't want the ball. It's weird. It's really strange. It's like Samson had really his, got his hair cut or something. No. Um, Fatherhood has changed him. Yeah. As it will all of us one day, Joe Patrick, whether we like it or not. So we won't get into it. Like, there's a whole bigger discussion, obviously, to have about his status going forward with the teams. There's more time for that later. But as of right now, just in help in him helping this team trying to win games, he's he's not really helping all that much. Like, I would take Ronaldo Cisneros over him if 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 it's if if your goal is to go in and try to win a game. I'm taking That's Ronaldo my, Cisneros. I, I was hoping it was Dwyer who would be the sub. Yeah, yeah. To be totally honest, yeah. To be totally honest. Go JD ask, uh, where would Andrew Gutman becomes a goal scoring center back have ranked on a list of odd preseason predictions? Uh, definitely up there. <laughs> definitely up there. He's not a goal scorer, but uh, we were pretty high on Gutman coming into this. It's good to see that kind of come to fruition. And if we got to say it again, it's another kind of point in Carlos Bocanegra's favor and the front office's favor for, for making that happen in kind of a unique way where he came. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the team, then went on loan to Red Bulls. And then once George Bellow had kind of cleared out, he was given the spot and correctly given the keys to the team and done better. I think I think even one of our preseason predictions was that Andrew Gutman will be better than George Bellow. Yeah. And that has been true from, from the jump yeah. so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and to your point, a lot of credit for the forward thinking and bringing him in in the way that they did, just kind of arranging it well ahead of time before you needed him and yeah, hopefully he can just stay injury free at some point next season and really kind of have his career take off. I hope so. I hope so. He's a high effort guy, uh, a lot of high intensity running and everything. Super like that. fit. And you're just yeah, and you're just hoping that the nagging stuff goes away and we can get him for a full season. 
Rubber Anchor says, if you were Pineda, would you start Mascara on Wednesday? Uh, what would you think of, uh, what have you thought of Edwin so far? I have my take. What have you thought? I'm not like overly impressed, but I think that he's useful in the role that he has. And for that reason, I would not start him. I think that he's the kind of player that you want coming off the bench. You want a player like him running at opponents that are on tired legs. And I think that when he's doing that, it makes him look a lot better as to where I think that if you start him, he's going to look a lot worse, if that makes sense, because he's going against players who are fresh and are going to be better able to keep up with him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's okay. I think he's fine. He's like, he's, he's like Jake Mulraney, you know, sort of like that. He's not like striking me as any better or worse necessarily than a player like Jake Mulraney. Maybe he's faster, probably I would say, but that's about Definitely it. faster, but that's about it so far. I, I am worried about that being a U22 spot that's taken up right now mm-hmm. because he's had, he had one really phenomenal touch it was his first touch i think with atlanta united where andrew koopman played a diagonal in the air he brought it down and then cut into the box and nearly got a cross off or a shot off i think but it was really really um deft and well done and set himself up in a good position the rest of the touches since then (laughs) have all been bad (laughs) i think every single one for sure i know because i went back and watched all of them was not good the rest of the way uh, in, against Seattle, the ones I saw last night were also very, very heavy. It's not yeah, that, yeah. good to see uh, him kind of just bouncing the ball off his foot and what a Giassi kind of way, right? Uh, without getting into similar positions. So I'm worried about that one. I'm not going to lie. It's early. All those things can take time. He can get more comfortable, he can get more set up. But I think we're understanding why his goal output. <laughs> Career was big old zero, Joe Patrick. So I do not think, and again, this is just me, but I don't think he's going to be a U22 next year. I think that he was brought in literally, that was the only place they could put the the only open Mm -hmm. roster space they had was for a U22, and he fit all those parameters so they can fit him there. But I think next year, because he's on a low contract, you'll see him moved into just a regular role. He will still occupy an international slot, which is not great but um i think that we will see them have another u22 roster spot open next year um despite him coming in on that slot right now unless the next dp they get is not if, if they lose to Mata, like we've been discussing potentially and they bring in another dp who's not a, a young dp then they wouldn't have the extra u22 slot so we'll see mm-hmm. i generally don't know if you can buy a player off the u22 contract to be totally honest. Oh, I just assume you could. Or it's not even buy them off, but just just right. not register them in that role. It's a good question. This might be a Tom Bogert question in the future. Yeah. Oh, somebody. Hey, I have a friend who just texted me who said he's at a kid's birthday party with Brad Guzan right now. How about that? Wow. Is Brad like moonlighting? It's like their kids, like, I guess, are friends or something. Or mutual oh, okay. mutual kid friends. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, good for Brad. Good for Brad. Who is not retiring, by the way? I know y'all thought Definitely he was retiring for like, two, for, for like two days there because of the, <laughs> the video uh, that kept popping up. All the teasers for it seemed a little ominous. I'm not going to lie, but no, he's, he's good. It's just a documentary. Check it out. Digital team did a lot of work on that. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Uh, after finally seeing the Gutman Wiley combo on the left, would you continue it or put Eruju at left wing? I think you can do this on a case by case basis, but generally I would want Gutman and Wiley on the left. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think one of the case by case bases that would come up is this Wednesday. I think I would give mm-hmm. both of those players a rest actually and play Luis Araujo on the left. I would probably actually play Ronald, uh, Ronald Hernandez behind him. He can play on either side because he's not really getting forward a ton anyway. I'll kind of play him on the, as a left fullback who's mainly going to stay back as more of a center back. Let Luis Araujo create the width on the left side and then you can have like Brooks Lennon be more attacking on the right. But for the primary option, I would play with Caleb Wiley and Gutman. Yeah, again, all the rules kind of out the window with Red Bulls. If you want to put Luis on the left and have him make runs in behind and play over the top with him and Cisneros, I bet that's probably a good call and what we'll probably see against Red Bulls on Wednesday. Let's see here. Jacob I says, should we be concerned at all about Luis Arujo? Sure, he had the Almada assist, but that's more credit to Almada, in my opinion. Just seems frustrated out there and not impactful. As of late, I think it was Ty in the discord who was pointing out that Luis had a couple of shots that were saved that really probably shouldn't have been saved. And if he scores last night, our narrative on him is probably totally changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he's doing fine. But Joe Patrick, let me reframe this into has Luis been a disappointment this Mm. season considering the state, the the expectations that we put on him, not Luis, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we put on him, but that he kind of has on himself because he is a designated player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's very hard in soccer. We, what do we always talk about? We talk about it being a weak link sport. And for a player like uh, for like Luis, you know, he needs other talented players around him, I think, to, to really excel. And first, pretty long stretches throughout this season, he's been missing some of those creative players in front of him that are not in front of him, but just like alongside of him that he would ideally want to be combining with Joseph Martinez. Tiago Amada missed a bunch of time with, you know, he had the red card suspension and various things. It seems like this just been kind of a revolving door um, with who has been in some of those attacking positions alongside of him. He's been kind of one of the, the consistent, only consistent player since he returned from his own hamstring injury this year, which I do think that that hamstring injury set him back a little bit. He was really looking great in preseason. He scored in the opener and then that happens and it just kind of resets all your fitness and all that stuff for you. So I think that that really kind of threw a wrench into things. And to be honest, I'm trying to avoid saying that he's been a disappointment, but I think you would have expected more production out of him at this point. I mean, we, we had him kind of as like a MVP candidate yeah. level production. Yeah. All things considered. Joe Patrick. Luis Araujo in 2021. Uh, about 1,100 minutes. Four goals, four assists. Luis Araujo in 2022. About 1,400 minutes. Four goals, four assists. He's been less productive this year. From just a overlying numbers standpoint, if we want to call it that. The underlying numbers are pretty good, to be totally honest. His goals added numbers are really, really good. He's been productive in that sense, but the final product uh, hasn't been there for a number of reasons. And so, yeah, I think he has been a disappointment this year, but so has the rest of the team because they're in goddamn 13th place. Mm-hmm. So I don't know <laughs> how much to, to put on him and how much to just put on a, a not-so-great season so far. Uh, ATL Greg 1 says, was Tiago the number eight all along? Well, he does wear number eight. So, I mean, technically, yes. 
but as far as positionally, I still don't Touché. think he is. I don't think he is necessarily. But again, he did play a more connecting role uh, yesterday, and I think we'll see that going forward. Yeah, I don't think it's ideal for him to be playing that position. But I think in the case, in the situation that Atlanta United is in right now, he is the ideal player to fill that role because nobody else can do it as well as he can. To go back to the Sounders, like we always do on the show, because it's Gonzalo and it's the Sounders. They're playing Albert Rusnak as a six right now, right? You <laughs> yeah, set up the right. team in the way that's, uh, I mean, you set up the team down to the guys you have, right? And if he has to drop deeper and that's what's best for the team, it doesn't matter that it's not his primary position, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of have to set up the team in the way that you need to get the job done the rest of the way. Yeah. Because you're probably going to need, you're going to need about like 16, 17, 18 points from your last 10 games here. And that's not the pace that Lane United has been on <laughs> this season. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, hey, speaking of that, Pineda had 17. So I was doing some napkin math. If we repeated our results from last year for the remaining games, we'd end up with something near 43 points. Uh, this is a number that me and you, I think, came to when we were kind of predicting the rest of the season as well. Like I said, you're probably going to need about 16, 17, 18 points the rest of the way. You're on 29 points. You do have a game in hand on most of the teams in front of you, but the teams in front of you are playing good ball, especially if you look at like Toronto has jumped Atlanta United at this point. They are pretty much a juggernaut now. Yeah. After one window, you know, um, Charlotte, Chicago, maybe not as worried about them, but Cincinnati, New England, uh, a couple of teams in front of them doing pretty okay. And they're about four points ahead of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to need, you're going to need like 18 points of this. That puts you around 47, 48, you know, and that's a big ask. It's a tough schedule the rest of the way. I don't think 43 is going to get the job done. So keep that, keep that 47 number. I think is where I'll put it in in mind for the rest of the way. Yeah. And you know, just kind of comparing it to last year, it's like the schedule is not, it's, completely flipped as to where at the end of last year you were going against a bunch of beatable teams and this year it's the total opposite you're playing against almost exclusively teams that are in or vying for playoff contention so which i mean everybody knows that at this point but it just makes it tough it's it's interesting looking at the results of this team they've only lost once since the austin game um but that just goes to show that like the draws that they've been racking up, they don't really do anything for you. Um, in fact, you might kind of be losing ground with drawing games. You just you have to get wins. And those have proven very seldom for this team so far this year. So maybe they can turn that around, but it's hard to see it happening, honestly, for me. Schedule is brutal. Uh, Red Bulls, we know about that. Uh, Columbus is really, really hot right now. DC's bad. Philadelphia, you play them twice. Toronto, Portland, New England. NYCFC. That's a really tough stretch. And I just want to say one thing, despite my pessimism about this team's chances to make the playoffs, if they play for the rest of the season like they did last night, uh, I'll be perfectly happy watching this team play every single game. Um, Yeah. If you're going to go out, go out with like sparklers attached to you and like, I don't know, (laughs) do a flip or something. Make it entertaining at least. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, let's see. Did we have anything else? Oh, this is a good question from Shay Adam. It says, was it just my selective memory? Did the front three just drop off entirely in the second half until around the 65th minute? It seemed like Hollywood especially went missing. Joe Patrick, you kind of mentioned this team playing like that 
last night, and if they did that for the rest of the season, the kind of like that part we're talking about really only lasted for about 30 minutes. That's true. Kind of That's fair. Again, at the end, this team still has not put together a full 90 where you went, yeah, that was that was it, you know? And if you have those defensive mistakes that you're going to make, it's kind of pointless no matter what you do. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely fell off. And I haven't looked into it enough to know whether that was just an adjustment from Cincinnati, but Atlanta reverted back to some of their worst habits. You know, mm-hmm. they started dribbling one-on-one. They stopped moving off the ball. They obviously made the defensive mistakes. Then we're a little bit lucky in the end, I think, to come out uh, with, with the last goal that they got. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to maintain the attacking intensity or velocity that they had in the first 25 minutes of that game for an entire 90 minutes. So it's totally understandable that a team would drop off at some point during the game. Um, This team just needs to be more comfortable without the ball and just tougher to play against. Like I, I said this in the spaces last night, the Dirty South Soccer space after the game, which was that the positive coming out of this game is that the team, it seems have like figured out a better way to attack with the, the personnel that they use in that game with the role that Tiago Amada played. I just think that they found some solutions um, that they can continue to go forward with. But I think that what they're still lacking is just being a bastard, like just being a really annoying (laughs) team to play against and to just deny Mm -hmm. teams. And that's like what Austin did to Atlanta. Austin didn't have, the ball very much in that game, but they were able to rip Atlanta United apart when they did have it because they were just that ruthlessly efficient. Um, and they were just so comfortable playing without the ball. They didn't need it um, to, to win that game. So that's kind of the missing piece for this team going forward. You hope to see it kind of come together. We'll see. We'll see. We'll take a look at the kind of minutia of the game in our on review segment for our Patreon folks. we got a whole bunch of other stuff coming to you. On Patreon again, our Red Bulls show will be on Patreon as well on your Thursday or Friday. We're back to the main feed after the Columbus game on Monday, but a whole lot of stuff there. Patreon.com/slash Five Strike Final. Go read Dirty South Soccer. Go read TheStriker.com. Go check us out on Twitter at Five Strike Final or at J Patrick Two Hundred or at J underscore Sam Jones. Subscribe to the daily kickoff at MLSsoccer.com slash newsletters. Um, Joe, why do we do so much stuff? <laughs> What's wrong with us? It's we do it, we do it for for the people. For the people. Turn, it turns out if enough people pay five dollars, it makes it all worth it. So <laughs> we're like Tinkerbell, but with five dollars <laughs> Please keep clapping with your five dollar bills. Please. All right. Good magic. Let's get out of here. Bye all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>